This is Fair Catch Kick, the 15-minute fantasy football podcast. I'm Paul Stoltz, former pro kicker who spent way too much time in the offensive film room. And I'm Anthony LaFreary, an award-winning sports reporter who will do anything it takes to get ahead in the game of fantasy football. (laughs) This episode, we're going to be rounding out our top 20 rankings for PPR standard scoring. If you missed our ranks 1 through 15, please check it out on our YouTube page. Quick ask before we begin this episode, if you like what you're hearing, please take a second to subscribe to us. This helps us get some visibility on the platform, gets us in some of the suggested videos. And also take a second to visit our website, fckpodcast.com. And we also have Twitter and Instagram accounts. We're at fckpodcast. And while you're on those things, drop us a line, give us comments, comments on this video, ask us questions, because we'd really like to hear from you all. And we'd even love to answer your questions and give you advice on air. Time to get rolling. We're going to go 16 through 20. Anthony, who you got at number 16? At number 16, I've got Aaron Jones. Green Bay, they are now a run-first team. It's no longer about Aaron Rodgers. It's about Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is the guy in Green Bay. He is a bell cow back. He's going to get the touches. And to me, it's important that your running backs that you draft early get the touches. It's like in Moneyball. When Brad Pitt was like, what does he do? He gets on base. So Anthony and I intentionally do not confer before each episode because we want to get each other's organic, genuine, authentic reactions when each of us says a different player. My number 16 is also Aaron Jones. In the previous episode, I expressed my disdain for the player personnel decisions made by the Packers. The one directly affecting Aaron Jones is the fact that they drafted A.J. Dillon out of B.C. in the second round, who is a six-foot-four-inch bruiser that is going to steal the short yardage touches from Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is going to have a TD regression this season, partially because of A.J. Dillon and partially because goal line carries are purely a matter of circumstance. They are arbitrary based on whether or not the team got tackled at the one or the two yard line, which happened a lot last year. With that said, there are two things that I want to point out. The first is that Jenkins and Turner, who are the two guards, are elite at getting to the second level, which is why you see Aaron Jones have a lot of 10 to 20 yard carries. And the second thing I want to point out is that Three years ago, you would have heard me knocking Aaron Jones for his pass protection ability, and that's why you see Jamal Williams not only get a lot of third down work, but Jamal Williams get a lot of work where it's his own series. Aaron Jones is a much improved pass blocker, as we saw in 2019, and I think he will be too talented for them to leave him off the field. My number 17 is Chris Godwin. I believe this was number your number 15 in the previous episode. I think I said he was a sixth-round pick. He was a third-round pick. But my point was he was the 11th wide receiver off the board. Here's what he does well. In man coverage, he attacks the front foot of the defensive back, which immediately puts the defensive back on their heels. He then uses his head really well to sell his routes And then when he goes in and out of his breaks, he gets really low and changes his direction really quickly. 
against zone, he runs a really good dig route, and Jameis did a pretty good job finding him in the different seams. Now, here's where I want to disagree with you, Ant. In the previous episode, you were talking about famous, Hamus, Jameis, whatever. And look, I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's more talented than Tom Brady. But in the, in the Jameis Winston offense with Bruce Arians, Godwin and Evans were both just going to get the ball slung up to them, right? It was based on route combinations, and Godwin was going to see a ton of targets. I don't think he's not necessarily going to see a ton of targets with Brady. I think he's going to, especially since he's a much better route runner than Mike Evans. But Brady expects his wide receivers to read the defense in the same way that Tom Brady does. What we do not know about Chris Godwin is his ability to adjust his routes on the fly, especially against a zone scheme where he's going to need to sit in a seam or sit in the gap. Again, 86 catches for 1333 yards last year. I think he's going to have a really good season. I think he's going to adjust best as a receiver to Tom Brady. That's a really great point, Paul, especially about his route running and even the knock on him. Brady is all about precision, precision, precision. Famous, heinous, Jameis is a blunt instrument, and Tom Brady is a scalp. My number 17, to keep this love fest going, I'm going to put your boy Josh Jacobs in there. Paul, you did an absolutely outstanding job summarizing him in our 6 through 10 video. So all I'm really going to add is he gets the touches. Look, I think I sent you that video uh, the other night. I was nerding out to him even after our 6 through 10 episode. What, what I saw was this dynamic ability to cut when he's in open field where he literally is flipping defenders on 180s. He's going to really take a step forward this year. Another guy I think is going to take a step forward this year is my number 18, Kenny Galladay. I think I'm reaching a smidge on him a little bit, but I just love his talent. Year two, he was a 1,000-yard receiver with five touchdowns. Year three, he eclipsed 1,200 yards with 11 touchdowns. He's already a polished pro who's going to get better. He's in a great situation with Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is a pro's pro. He will consistently feed him. I think Stafford is one of the most underrated quarterbacks of the last 20 years. Maybe only Tony Romo is more underrated than him. And on top of that... Cowboys fan. Yeah, I know. Sorry, buddy. (laughs) And um, on top of that, the Lions are terrible. So they're going to have to sling it a lot because they're going to be behind and Galladay's going to eat. Yeah, I love that volume point that you're making because it's, it's, it's not necessarily a football point, but it's a fantasy football point that the Lions will have a lot of late fourth quarter drives and Galladay will see volume. Look, I didn't have Galladay inside my top 20. He warranted consideration. But I think from a talent perspective, there might not be a receiver in the NFL that's better when the ball is up in the air. He goes and gets it and he attacks it. Yeah, it's, he's really – he's been on my radar since he's a rookie. I really like Kenny Galladay. I think this is the year he busts out and really could be a top-five receiver in the game in real-life football by the end of the year. So for my number 18, this is my big-money pick, just as you had Kenyon Drake at 13 as your big-money pick. 
You ready for this one? Let me hear it. Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Wow. You're really going to go with the rook here? Let's do it. Let me make the case. First, I want to start with what is his mental ability to adjust to the NFL? I think it'll be seamless. This is a guy who is voted as the team captain by his teammates and coaches at LSU. In his career at LSU, zero career fumbles. That's huge. I, I took the time to watch a lot of film on him. And here's what I saw. This is a guy who runs with probably the widest base I've ever seen. And what that allows is he has great balance, almost similar to Austin Eckler in that regard. And it allows him to cut really well, which I'll get into in a second. He also processes information really rapidly. When he's in the open field, again, at the second, third level, it almost looks like he's playing Dance Dance Revolution. He, he's anticipating what's going to happen before it happens, where the defenders are moving, and he's hitting right, left, left, up, center, whatever, right? And he's got moves on top of moves in rapid succession. I want to get back to the wide base. And when I watch film, I want to just sort of ed- educate the audience a little bit about what I look for with running backs, which is there's two types of cuts. The first I call a stop foot, go foot cut. What that is, is when the running back goes to change directions, he plants his outside leg and then uses his inside leg to shift his weight, shift his energy, and then accelerate through. The second cut is a jump cut. Think of LaDainian Tomlinson and his big highlights, right? It's a two-footed cut. You jump laterally, and after you make the cut, you almost have to stutter step a little bit Fred Flintstone style to to re-accelerate. When Edwards Hilaire makes his jump cuts, he's literally changing direction so much that it looks like he's making a jump cut, and then his acceleration goes through the roof. The last thing he does is his leg drive through contact reminds me almost of Chris Carson. Yeah, that's, that's actually really, really good. I, I haven't had a chance to look at much of his tape. Clearly, it's there. The, I'll tell you one thing I do worry about with him is can he catch the ball? How, how good oh. are his hands? Oh, great hands. Great hands. Watch, I'm telling you, watch the film, man. The, the one thing that, that I will say is that I don't usually like to make the argument about situation because situation changes from year to year. And it's a bit of a cop-out to say, oh, he's just going to be part of the Chiefs offense. But that's not why I'm making the argument. I'm really making the argument based on the player's ability and his fit on the offense. I don't think you're going to see Damian Williams very much except on third downs. I really don't want to go off on too much of a rant in terms of, of situation of, you know, everybody is really, really drinking the Chiefs Kool-Aid right now. They caught a lot of lightning in a bottle to win that Super Bowl. All three of their playoff wins, they came back from double-digit deficits. That's not going to happen often. I know they have that dynamic offense. I'm not saying they're going to totally regress, but – I'm tired of everybody like really making them out to be like the greatest team and this dynasty in the waiting. I don't even think they're getting back to the Super Bowl this year. The fact that he catches the ball, you know, that's going to help him because when push comes to shove, I honestly don't believe Andy Reid is going to commit 
to a run-first offense. Running backs under Andy Reid have to catch the ball. So I'm going to take your word for it, Paul, that he catches the ball. You're always good at, at identifying where the hype is coming from in the media and taking a, a contrarian approach to that. For my number 19, we're, we're now at a point in, in the rankings where I would say the top tier of at least semi-bust-proof running backs are off the board. I'm okay with taking guys like Miles Sanders here. I'm okay with a Melvin Gordon or a Le'Veon going for bounce-back years. But I went with Todd Gurley here, and let me explain why. Anthony, do you know how, how old Todd Gurley is? Uh, how old? You know, he's been in the league for a long time, Paul, so how old? That's what everybody seems to think. Todd Gurley's 25. We treat him like he's old and decrepit like us in our 30s. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just entering your prime if you're a running back. Right. When I watch the film, what I see is I see 2018 Todd Gurley, right? What I don't see is 2017 and 2018 Andrew Whitworth. And if you look at it, Andrew Whitworth just gets destroyed on every play, and it doesn't matter if it's passing or run blocking. He's now going to Atlanta, where he is the guy. They run a similar zone scheme, where they've got Jake Matthews, who's a top seven left tackle. They've got the right guard Lindstrom coming back off an injury. As you like to say, Anthony, he's going to get the touches. He's definitely going to get the touches. I just hope with Atlanta they will commit to the run because they have so many weapons in the passing game. But Kyle Shanahan is gone from Atlanta now, so you don't have to worry about them totally abandoning the running game in a big game when they're up by more than 10. One, one of the LaFrary arch nemeses. That's, that, that's now San Francisco's gimmick. But, yeah, I, I totally could see him bouncing back this year. You make a lot of great points there. Look, I saw the same burst through the hole that I saw in 2018. He is not running like he's hurt. He was still the RB12. So I like him for a bounce back year this year. Yeah, RB12, that's, that's a borderline number one back. That's a great value pick right there. Quite frankly, I like your number 19 better than mine, but personal reasons. Miles Sanders, I really hate giving the Whoa, eagle. you took an eagle? I, I really hate that I did that. I really, really do. I still have a bad taste left in my mouth from last year. I really, really hate the birds, dude. I do too. I'm a Giants fan. I know. Miles Sanders, he's clearly the running back to own in Philly. He's going to get most of the touches. Again, like the Andy Reid, it's a pass-first offense, but I feel like Sanders is going to get more touches in the running game and more touches in the passing game to – take pressure off of Carson Wentz because as my idol Skip Bayless likes to say, he's Carson Wentz. That poor man just can't stay healthy. And I'll go more into that when we do our quarterback episode, I'm sure. But I, I just feel like if you can lessen the burden on Wentz using Sanders, it'll be less likely we see Jalen Hurts this year, even though I still think we're going to see Jalen Hurts this year. Yeah, look, I, I, I'm an Eagle hater, but I, I have to say I, I really do like Miles Sanders. He came in after Saquon Barkley left and, and finally got his starting job at Penn State. 
He was a big play guy. It was unfortunate that Jordan Howard, who I just don't think is very good, got so many touches early and he was getting the goal line touches and it really put Miles Sanders in the background there. I think Miles Sanders did a really strong job once he finally started getting the touches. The only question that I have is that I believe his last five games were against really weak opponents. Can he do it against better defenses? We'll see this year. I'm going to wrap up my top 20 here. Uh, Another one I really don't want to put in here, but more out of common sense than anything else is Nick Chubb because... Finally, dude. Finally, Nick Chubb. Here's the thing, Paul. The Browns can mess anything up. The only way they could mess things up more is like if they had Kyle Shanahan calling plays and they're up by double digits in big games. They just have a way of screwing everything up. They've built a fantastic team. Chubb, talent-wise, is a top 10 back. The problem is everything is about Baker. Will Baker work? I like to call him Buster because he is a bust in the waiting. The only person that doesn't believe in Baker more than me is Colin Cowherd. They're going to find a way to mess things up, but not to the point where Chubb still shouldn't get a 1,000 yards. Maybe Kareem Hunt eats into his carries a little bit. I don't know. I still think he'll be fine, though. The Kareem Hunt argument is the best argument against Chubb. I believe that you're going to see him in a similar role to last year where he is going to be the third down back. He's also going to be in the slot a lot in two back sets. But look, again, my point last time was Nick Chubb had seven 100-yard games last year, led the league. They added Jack Conklin from the Titans, who was phenomenal. They drafted Jadrick Wills in the first round. Stefanski's there to clean house. Look, it's hard to bet on the Browns, but I just think Nick Chubb is extremely talented. I, I love the point you made about the offensive line. That is a key both to Chubb and Baker for like the 5% of people out there that still think he's a fantasy relevant quarterback. That line should definitely be a strength. They're a Super Bowl roster outside of quarterback, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, 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 it's bizarre to say, but I don't disagree with you. Yeah. So for my number 20, Ant, I did something a little bit unconventional for me, which is I fundamentally believe rounds one through four, you stack running backs and wide receivers. But there is one particular quarterback who obviously was very special and won a lot of leagues for people last year in Lamar Jackson. Look, few are going to argue him from a production standpoint, right? It's, it's there, right? What he did last year was unbelievable. But I want to make an argument that's not based on his talent. I want to make an argument that's purely based on uh, fantasy football analytics. The reason that quarterbacks fall is because the point differential between quarterbacks tends to be nominal, right? Whereas the, the point differential between running backs tends to be pretty large. But we're at a point in the draft now where the point differential in pure points per game between running back Number 13, because we've got 12 off the board in our theoretical rankings. And number 27 was only worth 2.2 2 
points per game. Lamar Jackson, on an average point-per-game basis, scored six points per game more than the number two quarterback. And that is the difference between winning and losing a ton of games. Yeah, he really was a one-man wrecking crew last year. I, I also don't like to put my quarterbacks that high. You know, I, I, I like to wait until at least round four, round five, maybe even a little later, let other people make that mistake of drafting a guy way too early in a standard league. That being said, you know, his legs can override a lot. He was a thousand yard rusher last year. And that alone is what a bell cow running back can do. So if you can get that out of your quarterback, even if he's a mediocre passer, which Jackson is not, he's a better than mediocre passer. And that's an understatement. That's a bonus. So I like it. I don't hate on it at all. I, I actually think it's a pretty smart move. Yeah. It's the old Michael Vick argument that you're getting two players for the price of one. Yeah, just watch out for that Madden curse is all. <laughs> well, thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. That rounds out our top 20 rankings. Our next episode, we're going to transition to something different, which is we're going to start to rank the quarterbacks. Uh, real quick, if you haven't hit that subscribe button, please do so. Anthony, can you plug them with our uh, Twitter and Instagram handle? So, yeah, our, our social media accounts are both Instagram and Twitter. They're at FCK Podcast. Please feel free to follow us, message us, get in touch with us any way you can. Even go on our website, fckpodcast.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. Thanks so much, everyone.